Hi friends, this is Lena. Um, Before we go into this episode, I did want to make mention here at the start that I will be discussing drug abuse, mental and emotional abuse, manipulative relationships, and there will be discussions of death. If this doesn't seem like something you'd like to listen to today, I won't judge. Please back out now, but if you do stick around, I do hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. Thanks. Hi friends, welcome to Sunshine Heart. My name is Lena and I am going to be telling a story today. Um, This story isn't easy for me to tell, um, but I needed to tell it and this was the best place for me to do so. Um, I hope that you won't mind the fact that as always I'm very congested Um, I tried to wait a little longer to put this episode up, but I wanted to record it. It's been on my mind, and I've been preparing for it emotionally. Um, so here we go. Um, just as a bit, uh, foreground, my mother, um, she died on January 25th, 2017. And when I tell people this, I get a lot of condolences, kind messages, strength, care from others, and I really appreciate it, but it does get so complicated to tell people that right now I'm totally fine. My relationship with my mother wasn't a good one, as unfortunate as it is to admit now that she's gone. This episode is going to be candid. I always stay open about what the relationship I had with my mother was like, Because if I don't talk about it, if I stay silent, what good does it do anyone? It may be uncomfortable to talk about or uncomfortable to hear about, but ultimately it's in the past and I've been able to grow from it. So for me, it's an important lesson that I learned and a part of how I became who I am now. And a lot of strength comes from adversity. So from learning those hard lessons, I've grown bigger through them. A parent's job is to teach you lessons. There are lessons that my mom tried to teach me and lessons I learned from my relationship with my mother, which led me to become the person I am today. Both are important to remember, so I tell the story with an open mind. All in all, I live her legacy every day as a person who conquered abuse and fear and meekness and dishonesty and became something greater. Well, who was my mom? Her name was Lisa. She was a person who made a lot of mistakes. I mean, every human being does, but my mom just did so gloriously over and over because truth be told, that's all she thought she was good at. She had me just before she was 20. I was probably her best mistake of them all. And for nine years, I had the best mom. 
She encouraged me to try new things. She helped me with my homework. She took me to dance recitals and soccer practices. She enrolled as the troop leader of my Girl Scout troop and volunteered at cookie sales outside of grocery stores. There were small things about her that I wished I could change, but who doesn't think their parents are stifling when they're young? I honestly don't remember a lot from then anyway. My dad looks back on her fondly. She was comfortable in her own skin, even when she'd put on weight. She never took too long getting ready because she was naturally beautiful. She had long brown hair, beautiful green eyes, and I fondly remember her putting my teeth under my pillow, taking hundreds of photos of me and my little brother, and scrapbooking them, storing them away. And sometimes I look back through those photos and I see the color in her cheeks and the light in her eyes. And then her grandmother, my great-grandmother, died. And she was her biggest supporter and my mom's best friend. And so began a long, long string of unfortunate events that lasted until, well, last year. It's a blur to me because it happened seemingly so fast. It was the separation, then the DUIs, then the drug possession charges, then the divorce, then jail time, then prison time, and then she was out of prison, and then she was back into jail, and then she was out, and then she was back in. My childhood after 10 years old was spent visiting mom in jail in a small concrete room with an old speaker on the ceiling, my mom on a TV screen or behind thick glass. Then it was in prison on Sundays for four years which was incredibly cushy compared to jail. We bought vending machine snacks with gallon Ziploc bags full of quarters, bought a bunch of food for potluck days and brought it to her, played board games in the too bright prison visitation hall, felt more like a cafeteria. Over this time, she became less of my mom and more, unfortunately, more relative that I saw sometimes in prison. She really couldn't teach me any lessons, She couldn't put me to bed. She couldn't take me to school or watch me grow up. My dad taught me about becoming a woman while she was locked away. I became who I am today in those years that she was away. I was 15 when she got out of prison, and then years of uncertainty followed. I remember preparing a playlist of videos for her to watch with me when she got out. Things that I'd made, things I'd been in, things that had happened that she couldn't watch, trailers for movies. She was disinterested. And I was heartbroken, but truth be told, she was disinterested in my life a lot of the time. It was mostly just because she seemed to be disinterested in anything that didn't involve her. Shoplifting, drugs, DUIs, jail, drugs, shoplifting, jail, some more things, more jail... We never knew where she was, what she was doing, who she was with, and we learned that this was just normal and sometimes preferred. Sometimes it'd be weeks before we heard from her, and too many times we wondered if she was even still alive. Then she'd be back in jail again, and we would know. The time she was around, she'd be staying in our house. She had nowhere else to go. She'd eat junk food, but into our business. I don't think my family knows which we preferred more, the judgmental nosiness or never knowing where she was. Sometimes she'd start getting high again and we would notice a change, but never know she was high until later on. The moments she wasn't, where I could sit with her and sometimes talk about life, where she'd be real and kind. Those moments were fleeting, but their wish I could have 
had every moment. My mom had been really smart. She'd come back to school to become a doctor. She'd aced her math classes. She wanted to write a book. She wanted to be spiritually influential. And then her mind was fried with so many hard drugs I don't even know the names of, and all of that permanently changed. Most of the time, she couldn't even understand that what she was doing was wrong, that it was hurting people, hurting herself, hurting our family. And it was hard to communicate with her because she'd throw so many conversational curveballs that you would always end up below her. She was a pro at manipulation, at confrontation, at getting what she wanted, and I felt like I always received the brunt of it. She became less and less of a mother and more and more of a threat of a fear. My family felt trapped because nobody knew an out. We were being emotionally, verbally, financially drained and abused while we were convinced by a silver tongue that we were the problem. My brother was never enough, I was a doormat, too much like my dad, and my dad was a fool who surely made mistakes more worthy of blaming to take the conversation away from her. We were ashamed, we closed our doors, and for a long time we locked up our hearts. My mom tried to teach me time and time again that you would never get respect if you didn't look and act how others wanted you to, and that this was one of my problems. So, she expected me to look and act how she expected me to. She cared so very little that it made me uncomfortable. She once pinned me to the bed. She made me late for work so that she could wax my upper lip. And she screamed that I would offend anyone who saw the dark peach fuzz, the mustache coming in, above my mouth. And she would sneer at me for being overweight. She would criticize my food choices, send me dieting advice without context. Oh, and it wasn't just my looks. It was my life, too. She managed to convince me that my three-year relationship with my first girlfriend, someone I loved with all my heart, would never last. That we were both too young, too broken to ever end up happy She told me that my friends weren't worth staying around. She criticized my attachment to my online friends. She criticized my hobbies, the things I enjoyed, when those had been the things to make me who I was when she wasn't around. I wasn't ever enough for her, and I started to lose faith and love in myself as a result. My mom also tried to teach me that my kind heart was only going to get me manipulated, so I had it coming when she did it to me. I was born a doormat with an open heart, so everything others did to fault me was not their fault. It was mine. She got money out of me. She got my time, my resources, my energy, and I wasn't given a choice. It wasn't her fault she took advantage of me. I was just someone meant to be taken advantage of. I was also always under scrutiny. Everything I did, everything I loved, everything I said, every way I acted, every friend I made, my privacy was violated, I had money stolen from me, and every time it happened, I was made to feel like it was my own fault, and my mom was just that way. I shouldn't let it get to me, because I should know by now that she's messed up, and it's not your fault. Well, it wasn't ever that easy. Through this fear and uncertainty, I still had to be an adult 
my dad was working, 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 and the moment I turned 16, I was at the DMV for my driver's license so that I could work, drive my brother, we were good at fending for ourselves, my grades slipped, and so did my mental health. The more I learned about life and the older I got, the more I realized that understanding who she was and understanding the way she was, the mistakes she made, would not only help me to move forward with my life, but would offer me a chance to understand the resulting mental health issues and the mental health issues she suffered from. I could understand how to better communicate with her and maybe it would help me someday to help someone else. There were times that I tried to separate myself from her forcefully, though it never seemed to work. I was always, again, made out to be the problem. A cop-out, a weakling, what kind of person is afraid of their own mother? She wouldn't listen to a word I'd say. I once saw no other way out, so I simply unfriended her on Facebook, which was enough to send her driving down to my freshman dorm early in the morning to confront me forcefully on what my problem was. It only taught me to be more afraid of her. I didn't deserve boundaries. I didn't deserve respect. My idea of self-care to her was just another reason I didn't deserve respect. I was told by her that until I acted like an adult, I wouldn't deserve respect. But she never quite defined to me what being an adult meant, and she never could. Being 18 wasn't enough. Taking the higher ground and refusing to fight with her and avoiding her was disrespectful. Confronting her right back was disrespectful. Telling her the truth was disrespectful. Lying was my only way out sometimes, and even that was disrespectful. With the slim chance that I had to go to college, I started studying psychology. My mom made it to my high school graduation but she wouldn't make it to see me graduate from college. I was in my sophomore year when my mom went back to jail for the umpteenth time, and they found the lump in her breast. For years, she'd been ignoring her health, physical and mental alike, and at 39 years old, they diagnosed her with stage 4 breast cancer. It had spread everywhere by the time they found it. They released her from jail to get treatment. She got some... And then I guess she decided it was too much trouble and left the state. To be honest, I don't think I blame her. The treatments were rough, and with her days numbered, I'm sure she just said, fuck it, and did things her own way. I took the chances I had to try to talk to her about her life and her journey, why she made the decisions, the choices that she did. I wanted to know for my own closure, and maybe I never really got the full story, but I got enough to give me clarity. She once admitted to me that being a mom was too much, that she'd spent so long trying to be whatever everyone else needed her to be that she couldn't have her own life, and so she left. Now, being you and not what others expect of you is one thing. It's another thing when that responsibility is that of a parent, and behind you, you're leaving your children and your family, the children who depend on you, who look up to you and need you for their growth, I was a burden to her by existing in her life, and though she tried to cover it up with, I tried the best I could, that didn't change what she meant when she said it. Sometimes, even in moments that should have been great, she would demand to know why I had a problem with her, why I hated her, why I couldn't trust her, and I don't think it was ever for self-improvement. Maybe sometimes it was to punish herself by having an external reminder that she'd messed up now that it was too late to fix anything. Maybe she just wanted more reasons to prove me wrong or prove everyone else the bad guy. She would insist that she'd been the best mom she could, and when I'd finally confront her on it, she'd brush it all away by telling me that anger like mine wasn't healthy 
and that I would grow up to be a failure, to be miserable if I never let go of it. That I should just let go and move on and that I should forgive and forget. She wanted to insist that I owed her something because I was her blood. That she was the only mother I was ever going to get so that had better be enough. Being a parent doesn't mean that you're automatically right and it doesn't mean you're owed anything, especially respect. My mother decided she didn't want to be a mother, then decided that the action of birthing me was enough to warrant my respect. To her, a mother is owed and deserving of respect, while I had to fight to earn the respect that I wanted as her child, as lesser than her. Then she tried to buy our love. With the money that she got from her job, which was probably code for shoplifting, she would give me clothes and presents for my apartment and things I didn't need, things that wasted space, and things that made me feel disgusting for even owning them because I knew that they were just meant to try and shut me up. Another thing she did for me that she could use the next time I tried to confront her. Through my relationship with my mom, I had to make myself stronger. So starting from age 10, where I had to take care of my brother so my dad could work six, sometimes all seven days a week. As I grew up, I had to learn self-love to keep myself sane, though it didn't always work out for me. My grades suffered because of my mental health in high school, though I'd been a straight-A student until my mom left us. I was needy and emotional and anxious and felt like I wasn't in control, but through loss and growth, I took the reins and learned the hard way how to be in charge of my life. I learned to control my pain and stay kind, though it took me longer to show that same kindness to myself. I wanted to see good in my mom, too. I'd seen her change from a beautiful, smart, bright-eyed mother into someone just struggling to make life work. She made mistakes and paid for them. Her skin was forever scarred and rough, her face sunken, and her eyes were never as bright. I remember how much life she had in her, how bright she could be. I remember when she took my brother and I to see Kelly Clarkson the year before she died, and we snuck up to the second row, singing and smiling. My mom turned young again, yelling, I love you, to the stage. Sometimes she'd show interest in the things that I loved. Listen to me talk about my characters, listen to my music, really ask questions. Other times she'd get angry and scream, and her eyes lost their light, and I wanted to hide. My dad told me a few days ago that though it was hard, he didn't hide us from the truth of our situation, starting from when it began when I was only nine. While some parents would lie, hide their kids from the ugliness, remarry, try to make things better, my dad knew that things weren't sunshine and roses and that we would learn more from being in the front row than being hidden away from what was true. It may have been the hardest thing I ever had to experience, but who would I be today if I had been lied to had I not seen what was really there? Eventually, I would have learned anyway. I could either live the truth and learn better from it or hide. I was dealt a bad hand. That's just the truth. There was no changing that part. A teacher that I respected once warned me that kids with parents like mine are more likely to end up like them. Well, psychologically, duh. But this was offensive to me. Because how could they know what I saw, what I went through? I wouldn't be a statistic. Kids do learn from watching their parents, yeah. So I didn't watch her. I turned away, I believed in myself, and I became the version of myself that I wanted to be. 
I learned from my mistakes. I tried to see my worth reach out and hold it tight. And after how hard I worked to become a better me, I would not ever let going down that same path be an option. My mother was never really able to recognize her own worth, which is what led to her inevitable self-destruction, a self-fulfilling prophecy of pain and failure and self-depreciation. I saw her potential but was only let down because she never could love herself for what was good, only live the bad because it was all she knew, because it was easier. She never got the help she needed. She never internalized it when she did get the help. So I learned from this. The faults are okay. Failure is okay. But it's not who you are. That's not who I am. And someone else's failure to recognize your worth is not your fault. Sometimes it says more about them than it does about you. If there's something you want to change about yourself, that's okay. But do it because you want to see yourself become a better version of yourself, not because someone else says that you need to do so for their benefit. Being able to see the inherent value in being alive will keep me from ever falling down the rabbit hole that my mother did. Here's the thing. I can give my mom the benefit of the doubt. I understand better now her illnesses and her mistakes, and I know that she did the things that she did because of drugs. I know that she did a lot of what she did because they were just mistakes. And even so, that does not erase the pain that I was caused, the life I had to live because of those mistakes. It doesn't erase their impact. Someone can have the best reason for doing what they did, but it doesn't change that it was done. I don't think my mom ever truly apologized for the way she acted and spoke towards me, and she only offered excuses. I understand the reasons, but all I needed was my mom to love me, to show me that she was sorry. Maybe she was and she couldn't say it, but I needed her to say it. Maybe she did love me, but I needed her to show it. I needed her to treat me that way, and she didn't. I put fault on her because the decisions that she made were her own, but I can also understand that she did what she did because she was mentally ill. She made bad decisions that led to more bad decisions, and it was never about me. I was just unfortunately in the way while she destroyed her own life. I also put fault in our country's rehabilitation system, the criminal justice system, the system that damned her, the system that kept her from having a chance to become something other than a criminal. But that's a story for another day. Most importantly, I've learned that no one can tell you how you're supposed to feel. Nobody can tell you how to grieve, when to get over it, what you should feel. Each member of my family misses and mourns my mom in a different way. Nobody had the same relationship with her that I did. That doesn't mean that they didn't have strained relationships with her, but as her daughter, I can't relate to their stories, only my own. I still feel the scars from that relationship with my mother every day. There are little things, like my breath catching in my throat every time I have to talk with someone's parents, to the big things like my fear of abandonment and confrontation, the way I seek attention of others, the way I've had to overcome the hurdle of lying to protect myself. The anxiety and depression I fight every day are a long-standing result of years of feeling my stomach tighten every time I thought of what could be coming, what I'd have to fight, what I'd have to say, what I'd have to confront. Psychologically, I understand where these things come from, 
but understanding isn't enough to make it just go away. Instead, studying psychology and getting to where I am today was the first step in a lifetime of self-improvement, and it gave me the tools I needed. What scares me most is the ways I can see myself as a mirror of my mother. The one time I left a store without paying for something and obsessed for days about the mistake I made, the relationships that fail, where I wonder for weeks, months, years, if I was abusive, if I ruined things, and if I ruined them, I obsess over wondering whether or not I'm hated, whether or not I can f fix things like, like my mom couldn't. The truth is you can't always fix things. Some people are just not right for other people. Unfortunately, my mother and I were not right for each other. The worst part is Abusive relationships can at least sometimes feel escapable. It's harder, sometimes impossible, to escape an abusive parent, especially when for the longest time you're manipulated into thinking it might not be abuse, that other people have it harder, that parents know best and you're the one who's wrong. And sometimes things aren't always bad. I think every time I had good memories with her, there were also some bad ones that went along with them. A day out with her would start good and turn bad, or start bad and turn good, or be good but with a little bit of bad dashed through the center. She would put on a smile for my friends, and they would tell me over text how nice she was while she was berating me an hour later for something small. Sometimes she was night and day. Our whole relationship wasn't bad, but a great deal of it was stressful. Relationships are complicated and messy and non-binary. My mom wasn't all bad. She was a person who made mistakes and paid for them. Our relationship had its good moments, but it also had so, so much stress. My mom lived for two years after being diagnosed with breast cancer. Some of it was at home, undergoing chemo. Then she was gone, doing whatever she did best. Then she came back home again. Her health quickly deteriorated. She went into a coma, and then she was gone. The most guilt I've ever felt in my life came from my relief after her death. There were a few days of numbness, and then the truth set in. The chapter had ended. Everything I'd been through, it was past. Now it was my job to pick up the pieces and it would have been cruel to not feel guilty for feeling the way I did. But that's the truth I was living, that I am living. My family was happier for her to be somewhere peaceful than living another day in an endless cycle of self-destruction and pain. Thinking that of my mother being relieved for a chance to breathe and recover was and still is simultaneously jarring and understandable. I don't want to feel that way, but I do. And my family was frustrated by her a lot of the time, but we always loved her. We always tried to love her. Maybe it wasn't reciprocated in the same way. Maybe she didn't make sense, but I think she tried to love us back. She just needed to show herself that same love, and she never could. I miss her for the good, for what she taught me about spirituality, for the useful clothes and school supplies and decor for my apartment, for the lessons I learned, but not for the bad, not for criticizing me and the things I loved, not for the manipulation, not for the lifelong scars. 
A teacher once told me that your soul grows layers and the pain and hardship you face stick into it like long spikes. Each one is longer depending on its impact and they'll always be there, but your soul will grow up and around them and keep growing bigger and brighter. The scars remain, but you become stronger with them because they become a part of you. My soul is still growing up and around that pain, but I wouldn't have grown to be who I am without it, and for that, I'm thankful. After all, quoting one of my favorite Disney movies, Mulan, the flower that blooms in adversity is the most beautiful of all. I'm working on that every day. Maybe more clarity will come from this the longer I'm around, the longer I'm alive, but one thing is for sure. I'm going to use the lessons her life taught me to grow better every day. That's my truth, and that's my future. 